Amen and amen. And you may be seated for just a moment. Man, it has been a crazy, crazy ten days for myself and my family. Now, we left with a load of bulls, dropped them at Cameron, unhooked a trailer, and headed to San Antonio to meet up with our family for a week's vacation. And while I was down there, Wild Horse Ministries, Paul Daly, would give me a phone call because he's heard about me and my scheduling to remind me that I would need to be at Trout, Louisiana by 6 o'clock on Friday evening and remain there till Saturday evening. And so when when he called me, he asked about how it was going, and I said, well, it's a little tough for me. I'm sitting with nothing to do in San Antonio. He said, so you're going to be there till next Wednesday? And I said, that's right. He said, oh, brother. He said, you got to go to the country church in Marion, Texas. Now, I'm going to be honest with you when I'm in a big city I always look for a black church, and I like to worship from my brothers, from other mothers. I mean, I love going to those. And because we is in the big city, I really thought that's probably where we would go. But when Paul Daly said, oh, you got to go to the country church, it's only about 25 miles from where you're at. So we got up, we got dressed. And we made our way to the country church in Marion, Texas. Man, what a facility we sat down in. And as we sat there, because my wife, we got there real early. She told us that services started at 10. We got there about 5, 7 till 10 and found out the services started at 10.30. So we got to sit around and we'd sit about midway back of a Beautiful, beautiful sanctuary. And all of a sudden, standing in front of me was a big old boy, about 80 years old. And he stuck his hand out and he said, put a smile on that face. That's probably looking a little intense. Stuck his hand out and he said, I'm Butch Eichels. I'm the pastor here. Now, who had told me to go there? I said, I'm Paul Daly, Wild Horse Ministries, sir. <laughs> And I watched him look like somebody had walked over his grave, as Doc Holliday said. He said, well, you ain't the Paul Daly Wild Horse Ministry, I know. <laughs> and we got tickled because in the sermon he said, there's a guy out there who says he's Paul Daly, but he not. He told a Paul Daly story, and at the end of it he said, that ain't got nothing to do with my sermon. My Ashley looked over at me and said, you messed him up just lying to him. <laughs> But in our conversation, Butch Eichels and I began to visit, told him who I was, and he said, well, you'll want to be sure before you leave to go out back and see our arena. It's named His, capital H, Arena. He said, I led a doctor to the Lord, Rob. And out of nowhere, he showed up one day and said, Pastor Butch, I want to bless you because you bless me. He handed me 300000 and said, you guys ought to build you an arena. I got that testimony. They didn't take up an offering at that church. 
And my observation of that church after being there, it wasn't an on fire church. The preaching would be more like a teaching service, and that's fine. But here's what I said. An amazing facility, amazing educational buildings, amazing facility. And here's my take on when I left that church. I bet this church does things that nobody knows about. That was my take. There's a big crowd there, and it wasn't there because of entertainment. It wasn't there. And I just thought to myself, I even said self because that's what I call myself. I bet this church does things that nobody knows about. That's what I thought. That was Sunday. I arrived Friday evening at Wild Horse Ministries, hadn't talked to Paul Daly, since he suggested that church. Sit down on Friday evening. He come over to the table where the four guys that drove down to be a part of this weekend and Trey. And we're sitting there and I said, Paul, I got to meet Butch. He said, oh, you did. I said, I did. I said, I even messed him up. He said, how'd you do that, brother? I said, I told him I was you. <laughs> he just laughed. And here was his words. Brother Rob, what would you think of that church? I'm telling you, that church was different. That's why that come out of Paul Daly's mouth. What would you think of that church? I said, that church probably does things people don't even know about. I said, it's not an on-fire church like we would consider on fire. He said, absolutely not. He said, do you know that church sends me all down around there in Texas and they put the bill? They believed in Paul Daly. He said, they send me. And he began to name them those small Texas towns all around there. He said, they send me there. And they put the bill. I said, really? My take was on the church. I bet they do things that nobody even knows about. We're sitting under a huge huge covered arena in Trout, Louisiana. It's just about half the size of pegs, I'd say. Where all them people come from, I don't know. They're crazy, though. They fit right in at pegs. He pointed up to this building. He said it was a couple in that church that sent $260,000 check for this building you sit in. I thought when I left there last Sunday, I bet this church does some things that nobody knows about. I got confirmation on that when I arrived in Trout, Louisiana. They do exceedingly abundantly above anything I even thought that they would do that we didn't know about. Now I say all of that to say this. There is preachers that travel around like I do and they hear testimonies about the country church and they sense that there's a church there that does many things that nobody knows about. There's pastors that sit under a building and hear testimonies of a church sending them somewhere. There's, we hear testimonies 
of somebody writing a $300,000 check for a, his arena, $260,000 check for a covered arena in Trout, Louisiana. And there's many pastors that travel around like I do, and they probably hear those testimonies, and they could only wish that they pastored a church like that. But when I hear those testimonies, I'm not sitting there thinking, boy, I wish I could pastor a church like that. I think, man, I'm glad that I pastor a church that's just like that. And in case you didn't know it, you put some bills for the gospel to go here and a gospel to go there. And I want you to know I can turn right back to them people and I can testify that He's done it and He's done done it again up there in Mays County. See, we're going on 20 years and I'm here to tell you we started out in a little old building with 14 people and listen, those 14 people was faithful to the God who's faithful. They put their hands to the plow. They put their nose to the grind and many of them chose not to turn back knowing that they wouldn't be fit for the kingdom and God began to bless numerically. He began to bless in two services and when we didn't know if we was going to have to go to three, look here, He just began to fund through His people and funnel it to us. And we built in 2010, we finished a building that is just like the country church, debt free. Just like the building in Trout, Louisiana, debt free. He done it in 2010. And I'm here to tell you, He done did it again in 2023. Amen. I'm just here to tell you folks there's a lot of pastors that hear testimonies like I did this week. And they only wished they pastored a church like that. And you're not to praise your own lives. So your pastor's going to do it for you. I'm glad I pastor a church that lets him do things among them. And he's done did it again. And I'm here to tell you something. A year, two years, and three years, if we'll just realize we moved out of a little building, but it's still the same God. Yesterday, today, and forever. And I'm still going to preach out of the same book. And that's God's holy, inspired, infallible Word. And my challenge to everyone is don't let a new facility that He's done, went, and blessed us again with change who we are in Christ Jesus. And all God's people ought to be saying amen and amen. So, He's done, did it again. Now some of you looked at that title and probably thought that's the goofiest title for a dedication slash first service altogether as I ever heard. Well, let me tell you how that title come about. Staff was meeting at Country Cottage on a Thursday evening. We walked out and we began to talk about this. And we began to talk about June 11th. And we began to talk about it. And it was Dave and it was Kayla and it was Miss Donna and myself. And I said, well, let's just call it He Did It Again. Service. You know what that staff done to me? It should be he done it again. 
we did it again. I said, so when we get off on correcting me. <laughs> so we didn't vote and we didn't come to a conclusion that day. I left there thinking, well, I'm probably going to get outvoted because all three of them said it, thought it should have been. He done it again. And so Miss Kelly wasn't there that day, and she called me and she said, what about June 11th? What's the, what's the title? And we hadn't met or nothing. And I thought, well, they thought it ought to be done. I thought it ought to be did. We can't vote, so we're just going to say, he done did it again. So if you want to know how the name come about, that's how it come about. He done did it again. And I'm here to tell you, He will continue to do it over and over and over and over if we don't worship the building, but we worship the One that blessed it to build it. Amen? So man, God is good. And we're fixing to sing, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Sometimes I get concerned that that ain't the first song. But I don't think I need to be concerned as I was sitting there praising and worshiping. I thought, man, we ought to, the first thing we ought to do is welcome Him here. But let me tell you something. In Trout, Louisiana, I arrived there. I got welcomed a little bit. But even into the second day, Little old young mama that's neglected her son and turned to drugs come up to me. and It wasn't after a sermon. It was after a little devotion that I stood up. And Paul Daly asked me to share about T.L., what I shared that Wednesday night that he was here. And I stood up and shared it. That little lady a little later come up there. She stuck her hand out said, I'm so glad you're here. I just want you to know, you're welcome here anytime. That's what God brought to my heart right there. I was welcome when I arrived, Jack. But I'm going to tell you something. That gal welcomed me. I'd done been there a day. But she welcomed me again. And let me know that I was welcome there anytime. Look here. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. We might do it first song. We might do it third song. And we might close with it just to let him know what? He's always welcome here. Father, we love you. We thank you for doing the great things among us. And we welcome you here again, again, and over and over. In Jesus' name. You might want to stand one more time. Shame is undone In your presence
Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you. We praise you, Lord. We can meet here together in this beautiful building that you allowed us to have. But Lord, we're thankful for your presence that we feel here today. Because Lord, this building's not going to save anybody. This building's not going to change anybody's life. This building's not going to set anybody free. Oh, the one that we meet here can. Lord, I pray that you'll not ever allow us to do anything that would cause your spirit to not be here. Help us just stay close to you, Lord, so we'll always feel your presence when we gather here to worship you. And most importantly, this morning, if there's anybody here this morning that does not know you as Lord and Savior, Lord, I pray you'll make the Holy Spirit conviction so strong they'll not be able to leave here this morning without making things right with you. Pray that we'll all be drawn closer to you. Have your will and way when it comes time for invitation. The things we ask in your name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. God is good. I received a text this morning from Sonny Johnston. Many of you know Sonny Johnston. He's filled the pulpit here many a times. I received a text from him this morning, and here's what it read. Thanking God this morning for all that he has done at Exciting Southeast Baptist and what he will continue to do at Exciting Southeast Baptist. Folks, if there's a pastor that occasionally fills the pulpit that went to the throne room to give thanks for what God has done at Exciting Southeast Baptist, and there's a man two hours from here that occasionally fills the pulpit that went to the throne room to not only thank him for what he has done, but to go ahead and thank him in advance for what he's going to do, wouldn't we just want to one more time lift our hands, put them together, and thank God for all he's done and all he's going to do. Because he's done, did it again. Amen. Folks, we got people from two hours away thanking God for what He's doing here. We've got to learn to revel in other people's victories. Amen? Well, I sat back down after getting a little carried away. I wasn't supposed to went that long. And I looked at Pastor Dave and I said, that's almost a sermon. He said, well, maybe you got a little left in you. See, we can come in here and we can praise God and thank Him for what He's done, but sitting among us is somebody that's hurting, somebody that's wounded. The excitement's there for a new facility and the excitement's there for God that is filling this place with His presence. But the truth of the matter is, you're in a battle. And I read this week that church is not an audience to be entertained. It's an army to be empowered. And so we can come together and we can praise Him and we can thank Him and we can celebrate Him. But the truth of the matter is, there's an audience here. You didn't come for entertainment, and if you did, you come for the wrong reason. But you came for an army 
a soldier of the cross. Paul said we'll have to endure some hardship as that soldier. So you come today not for entertainment, you come to be empowered to keep on keeping on. Let me share this with you. In 2001, it was year that I was blessed to take my calf roping to another level. In other words, I had been a finalist. I'd been in the top 15. But when I left the finals the previous year, I watched the 2000 champ crawl in the limousine for the ride into the arena. And I turned to Marty Brock and I said, next year that'll be me. And that's when I decided I didn't just want to be a top 15 calf roper. I decided I wanted the buckle. I decided I wanted to ride in the limousine. And I had some good cornermen that year, numerous cornermen. And you've heard me preach a sermon on three statements that changed my life and helped me get to that level. One of those statements was, learn from mistakes, preferably not your own. When I was the eighth roper, before that statement, I used to watch all the good things that would happen in those seven previous runs. But after that statement, I began to watch mistakes that those seven previous ropers made. And I began to mentally check those off so I wouldn't make the same mistakes, Dave. And I'm going to tell you, when you begin to mentally check off mistakes that others have made, it'll help prevent you from making them. That was one of the statements that helped me to the top. That same statement has helped me spiritually. Folks, we got mistake after mistake made by men and women of God in the Scriptures. And too many people justify because they're a man or a woman in Scriptures. Oh, they made mistakes, so I can. How about not making those mistakes? How about learning from the mistakes they made? Hey, I'm all about thanking God that He will forgive us for our mistakes and help us. But listen, sometimes we don't have to go through the consequences of that mistake if we'll learn from others' mistakes. Another statement that helped me that year was, I'd always heard per practice makes perfect. But it was Danny Hamilton, one of those corner men, said just don't ever forget, practice don't make perfect. Perfect practice makes great. See, Danny knew I'd never be the perfect calf roper. But if I would practice perfection in the arena, I'd never be the perfect calf roper, but I could be a great calf roper when the lights come on. The Bible tells us, as Christians, we are to strive for perfection. How many of you know there's never been a perfect Christian? Paul was a great Christian, but far from perfect. We strive for perfection simply so we can become great. We'll never be perfect. Man, that helped me in my roping career, but it also helped me in my walk with Christ. And the other statement that helped me not just be a contender, but be the winner, listen to this. I found out that extraordinary people don't do extraordinary things. I always thought they did. 
I found out that extraordinary people done ordinary things really, really well. That's why you went to the practice pen and just done the same ordinary fundamental things over and over and over again. And when you do the ordinary things really well, you'll become extraordinary in what you do. Come on. You can take that out of the roping arena. And you can take it straight to your walk with Christ. Man, the foot's level at the old rugged cross. Elijah had a nature just like yours and just like mine. But he done the ordinary things well, didn't he? He prayed. He shared the Word of God. And I think we'd all say, you know what, Elijah, he pretty extraordinary. But when you study him out, he didn't do extraordinary things. He just done ordinary things really, really well. Amen? That'd preach too. But here's where I'm coming from. I had no idea, Jesse, you've been there, that when you become just not a contender, but when you get to the top, look up here, not everybody's as proud as you thought they'd be. I couldn't believe it, Brandon. Some of the people that I thought was in my corner. When I finally got to the top, I found out they wasn't. I don't know if that's jealousy. I don't know what that is, but I'm here to tell you, I learned something that year. When you strive to get to the top, not everybody's going to be happy for you. So you know how thankful I was when I rode into that arena on that final performance? Man, I'd heard those that I thought was my friends. I'd heard statements. And I rode in there, and I didn't have butterflies, folks. I had helicopters. And I knew there was some not rooting for me, Brother Glenn. And I just met eyes with them when I rode in. But do you know how good it was to look up to my right and see my family sitting there. Listen, it didn't matter at all if 90, 900, 912 of them wasn't for me. There was about 20 up there that they was all for me. And when I rode down to the... When I was stepped into the arena before they rode my horse down, there was Marty Brock, probably the biggest corner man of the year. He leaned over because he wasn't allowed in the arena. And he gave me some last instructions. And he said, we're for you, buddy. We're for you. And I heard those words as I walked out of that box. And Dale Juergen, several time world champion calf roper, had rode my horse down. When he stepped off and I stepped on, that big old hand, and I don't know if anybody's got a hand like Dale Juergen, he grabbed me by the thigh and he said, just go have fun. It's yours. He said, now you know how Josh Heupel must have felt in the Orange Bowl last year. That was his last words. Because, oh, you had won the title. I ain't won one since. But I ain't won one since either. Can I tell you, not everybody's for you. 
And it sure is good to know you got family and you got friends that's for you. You say, well, what do you do with them people that it's against you? How do you sleep at night knowing somebody don't like you with the fan on? You with me? When you're lining up with Jesus and you're following the call of Jesus on your life, let me tell you something. It really don't matter who's against you. You can lay your head down on your pillow at night. You can sleep on your side. You can sleep on your back. You can sleep on your belly. And you can sleep with the fan on. But the main thing is you can sleep because you know you're lining up with God. So, Romans chapter 8, you can open to there. We don't even have evening services this evening, so I can preach till 3, 4, 5, 6 o'clock. Romans 8, verse 31. When you find out not everybody's as happy for you as you thought they would be, do you realize you guys are happy to be in this new building? From 14 to where we're at now in 20 years, ain't you glad God done it and He's done, did it again? And we are here and we are happy. We are blessed. If you hadn't been picking up what I've been putting down, let me tell you, not everybody's happy for exciting Southeast Baptist. Do you realize there's some naysayers out there? That whether it's jealousy whether it's at odds with the guy that's preaching here or odds of one of the members here, do you realize today that not everybody's happy to see exciting Southeast not just be a church, but rise to be the church that God called them to be? Do you realize that? So there's some people that are against us. And when there is, we get a little encouragement. We're an army to be empowered, aren't we? Romans 8.31 What then shall we say to these things? What things? These things that some people aren't for us. What do we say to these things? What things? These people that's talking about us and not happy for us where are we at? What then shall we say about the naysayers? About the devil that wants to interrupt it? about the people that want to pour water on our fire. What then shall we say about these things? Aren't you glad when the Bible asks a question, He gives us the answer? Not asking us by what to do. I'm asking you so I can tell you what to do. What then shall we say to these things? i tell you what we say. If God be for us, who can be against us? Of all the corner men that I've had in 2000, I got the greatest corner man that I could ever have in that of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And I'm here to declare to you today, He is the corner man of all corner men, and He's got you back. Now I'm going to go ahead and try to tell you why I think He's the corner man of all corner men. Number one, I think he's the corner man of all corner men because of his intention. 
You're right there at Romans 8, or at least I hope you are. And it says, and we know that all things, verse 28, all things work together for the good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. When it says all things, guess what it means? All things. The good, the bad, and everything in between. Everything you go through. Because why? The corner man of all corner mans has an intention. And we see it in the next verse. For when he, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that we might be the firstborn among many brethren. Did you see the intention there? His intention, when you get saved, washed in the blood, and you become a child of God, His intention for you is to be more like Him tomorrow than you was today, next week than you are this week. He wants to conform you into the image. Everything that comes down the pike, good, bad, or in between, the intention... From Jesus Christ, the corner man of all corner men, is to make you more like Him. I don't know what your gift is, and I hope in this new facility, some of you step up and exercise your gift. But I do know this, the corner man of all corner men's intentions so whatever you're going through, good, bad, or in between, His intentions is to chip everything out of your life and take away everything of your life that don't look just like Him. And all God's people ought to be saying, Amen. That's a pretty good intention of a corner man. I'm going to make you like me. But I'm going to tell you, I believe He's the corner man of all corner men. Secondly, because of His invitation. Look at it. Moreover, whom He predestined, listen to this, these He also called. Whom He called, these He also justified. And whom He justified, these He also glorified. Folks, it says, moreover, whom He predestined, these He also called. And in case you didn't realize it, the corner man of all corner men, he called you way before you called him. And if you called him, you didn't call him without him calling you first and extending an invitation for you to come. You with me? So we need to understand that that invitation, he called me. That old song, Brother Eddie, He Knows My Name. Boy, don't that just touch your heart? Woo! To think about He Knows My Name. But I'm going to tell you something. Somebody ought to write one, He Called My Name. Because there's something more important than Him knowing your name. And that's one Tuesday morning. He didn't just know my name. He dialed my number. Amen. And He gave me an invitation to come and let Him forgive me of my sins and step into my life and write my names down in the Lamb's book of life. Amen. Boy, after I preached that first service down there, 
Here she come. Her name was Brooklyn. Paul was on her side, Paul Daly. She come and said, Will you baptize me tomorrow? My first words was, Are you saved? She said, I just got it taken care of. Paul said, I asked her the same thing when she come and asked if you'd baptize her. I said, You got to be saved first. And she assured me by testimony that I've done got wet. But tonight, he spoke to me. Thank God for the corner man that still extends invitation. Because what happened in Miss Brooklyn is he called her name. Amen. He's the corner man of all corner men because of his intention. He wants to make you, he wants to make me more like him. He's the corner man of all corner men because he extends an invitation. He called you before you called him. But then he's the corner man of all corner men. Thirdly, are you ready for this? Because of his investment. What then shall we say to these things? When everybody's not in your corner. If God be for us, who could be against us? And if you ever doubted that, just look at verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for who? While we were yet still sinners, God demonstrated his love for us when Christ died for us. Let me tell you something about salvation. It's free, but it's not cheap. Let me say something about salvation. It's free, but it's not cheap. See, Peter wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, You and I were not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold from our aimless conduct, which we received from the tradition of our fathers. But what? With the precious blood of Christ. The lamb that was without spot and the lamb without blemish. You better understand the corner man of all corner men has a huge investment in you and that is he shed his blood on the old rugged cross for you. I thought about when Miss Donna sent me a video. Truett had to ride before we left Friday. So we took a ride down and he said, Pass Paul, can we pull up under the tree and just get off and rest? We'd rode all of about three minutes. <laughs> I was in a hurry and we pulled up under the pine tree and we stepped off our horses and we took our hats off and we laid them down. We sat there and let the horses graze and we rested. Finally got him talked into getting back on and I said, when I get back, we're going to rope. He said, I don't ride some more. I said, you're going to have to ask Nana to come. I'm going to be gone. Your dad's flying me down there. You're going to have to ask Nana to come. You know what I got a video of last night? She done got that boy. I'm gone one day. And boy was running barrels yesterday. So after this service, me and T.L. has got to have a come to Jesus meeting. 
Our barrel racer is mighty. Did you look at Clark over there? He's going to get involved too. Ain't no way. Not happening. I want you to look up here and listen. He's three years old, and I have no idea if he'll desire to be a calf roper. But if he does, he's going to have a corner man. And as a past Paul, let me tell you what that corner man will do. He'll make investments. See, a lot of people are looking at them videos and thanking God for his little pony, and past Paul's always looking for the next one. Past Paul already has in his mind what he wants to do to make him his first calf horse. Let me tell you, it won't be cheap. Not only will it won't be cheap as far as money's concerned, if he desires to calf rope, there'll be a love, hate, and lots of hours spent in arena. So his corner man, if he desires to be a calf roper, don't you guys think I'm probably going to have a pretty big investment? No matter how much I invest, never will I invest what the corner man of all corner men invested in me. Amen. He's the corner man of all corner mans because he didn't do it with time. He didn't do it with money. He done it with his blood. I hope you're convinced he's the corner man of all corner men just with those points, but I'm going to try to go ahead and convince you some more. He's the corner man of all corner men not only because of his intention. He wants to make you and I more like him. Because he's the invitation. He called us. Aren't you glad he called us? Because of his investment. He paid dearly. Don't you not know that you were bought with a price? But he's the corner man of all corner men because of his inclusiveness. But delivered him up for some. But delivered him up for many. Aren't you glad... He's all-inclusive. Now, if you're one of those five-point Calvinists, you'll have to come tell me what that means. But I'll tell you this. You can tell me what it means. But I can tell you this. You'll never be comfortable at this church. Because I understand one thing they believe in is partial atonement. Folks, my Bible says, for God so loved the world. My Bible says he died for all. And I want you to know something. I'm glad somebody always wanting to personalize the scriptures, aren't they? I mean, they want to be all spiritual and say, just put your name in John 3.16. For God so loved Rob Pierce. That he gave his only begotten son. That if Rob Pierce would believe in him, he wouldn't perish, but have everlasting life. Boy, it sounds good to personalize it, don't it? But I done that one time, found out there's about 16 Rob Pierces. 
So if the Bible read, for God so loved Rob Pierce, that would leave Rob Pierce wondering which one of the 16 that showed up on Google did he love. So God didn't make a mistake. He said, for God so loved the world. That means ever Rob Pierce that ever has been, ever would be, it's all inclusive. So next time somebody wants to personalize John 3.16, say thanks, but no thanks. I'm just glad he said the world. Because I'm in the so he's inclusive in the all. But watch this. He's inclusive in the everything. He delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He's inclusive, not only all can come, he gives us everything we need to live godly in Christ Jesus. It's what the Bible says. So when I say inclusive in everything, I'm not going to get that out. I'll go wrong. I get that mic out and I'll get carried away. Just think how long this would be if I had this mic up walking around. Have you ever thought about if He give us His Son, have you ever thought about how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? Now this is pretentious and God forbid it ever happened. But can we pretend this morning? I'm looking over there and I didn't know who it'd be, but I thought about it. But just because we got Trey and we got Jesse over there, let's just say old Jaden come down with some disease. And the only answer, Glenn, for that disease one person on planet earth that could give him his blood, but not just a normal blood transfusion. He had to have it all. And we're just pretending. You say Trey and Reagan. They just prayed about it and they thought about it and said, we're going to give T.L. So Jayton can You with me? And that happened. Stay with me. There's a point to be made here. And now Jayton's healed. But let's just say the stops is they really can't afford certain things. And Jayton's desiring to rope. And they think about Truett had a little horse. Truett had some ropes. And Jesse and Ashley begin to think, well, man, all that stuff's over there. True, it ain't. And we almost think it would be cold for Jesse and Ashley to go to Trey and Reagan and say, hey, I don't know if it's because the blood that's running through Jaden's veins, but man, he wants to rope. He wants to ride. What about Truett's horse? What about Truett's ropes? That almost seems cold, don't it? But folks, Trey and Reagan had done give their son. Would they not much more just slide it all over there and say, tell Jayton to enjoy the horse, enjoy the ropes? Matter of fact, here's his spidey bike. Come on. 
That's what just got said to you and me. That's what just got said to you and me. God gave us His Son. And He didn't just give us His Son. He gave us everything that we would need to live and be like Jesus. Go ahead and chew on that one. Amen. Whew. I think he's the corner man of all corner men because of his intention, his invitation, his investment, his inclusiveness. But how about this? Boy, it's all in there today, isn't it? How about it because of his interceding? Who shall bring charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is this? Who is he who can Dems. Have you ever thought about those questions when you read them? Who shall bring charge against God's elect? God's the one that justifies nobody else. Whether it's the devil or anybody else in this world, God's the one that justifies. Who is He who condemns? There's nobody that condemns but Him. So look what he says. It is Christ. Ask those questions, almost taunting. It is Christ who what? Died. It is Christ who what? And furthermore is risen. It is Christ that what, Harold? Who's ascended and sat down at the right hand of God? So who can do these things for you? It doesn't matter who don't like you. Because God is for you. Who can be against you? He died. Listen, that means He paid for it. He rose. That means He had the power to overcome death. And He sits down. That's position. Aren't you glad it says He's sitting? If He'd be standing, what would He be? A servant? If he would be kneeling, Dave, what would he be? A slave? He's sitting. So what's that mean? He's the son. And he's the only one. And I don't know about you, but I'm glad, Miss Lynette, you're tickled that you got a church praying for you, but you ought to be more glad. How's that in the He Done Did It Again service? She ought to be gladder. that the Son sits at the right hand of God and makes intercession. When we get so heavy burdened and we don't even know what to ask for, I'm glad He's there to intervene. We ought to just give Him a clap offer. Amen. He's the corner man of all corner men. i got two more points. Because of His intention, His invitation, His investment, his, in, his inclusiveness, His interceding. But I believe He's the corner man of all corner men because of His involvement. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Do you guys remember who's got the pen? Now the Holy Spirit's doing the talking. Do you remember who holds the pen in this letter? In case you don't, it's the Apostle Paul. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? Reckon he knew anything about tribulation? <laughs> shall distress? Reckon that 
old Paul knew anything about distress? Or persecution. We don't know nothing about that in America. Think he knew a little bit about it? Famine. We panicked when we ran out of toilet paper. Come on. We don't know what famine is. You don't get to eat lunch till 3 o'clock and you think you done died. Nakedness. Ain't nobody had to walk around here naked. Peril or sword. He just stepped up and said, who's going to separate us? Is any of that going to? And then he says, it's written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. Because you was, went through tribulation, Jesus. Because you were persecuted. Because you bled. Because you died. Because you rose again. Listen, why would we think anything any different? You won the victory for us. For your sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. But listen to this. Yet in all these things, we are more. We're not just conquerors. Do you hear that? We're more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Let me tell you what that means. More than conquerors means we get to celebrate because somebody won the victory for us. Because He come first and faced all those things. He got involved. And He said because He done that, we can celebrate a victory that we didn't win. That He won for us. You ever thought about John 16.33? In this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. You don't know why? The Bible tells you. Because I, and it's Jesus talking, have overcome the world. I'm so glad he got involved and I'm more than a conqueror because he won the victory. But he let me be included in it. Now I know we got some OSU fans in the house, but how about that Oklahoma Sooner softball team? And let me tell you something, and I don't need, you don't even have to be an Oklahoma Sooner fan to love what they're about. Just go ahead and get on Facebook and go ahead and listen to the testimony. They walked on that field saying whether we win this deal or not don't matter to us. Our fulfillment don't come in softball. Our fulfillment comes in Christ. Now folks, that's a, that's a college team that is being that bold about their faith. I mean set records. Probably some that will never be broken. And I'm going to tell you something. They want it. But I'm kind of celebrating it with them. And I do it in midst of some anti-OU pants. Where you getting that, preacher? Jesus won it. But I'm just going to get on there and celebrate it with Him. Because He said I could. Amen. The only guy I know that won the Super Bowl and invited all the losing team to come over and be a part of the parade. That's Jesus. Amen. All-inclusive. But then, I close with this. 
Have you are you guys convinced he's the corner man of all corner men yet? Lastly, because of his inseparableness. For I am persuaded. You know what Paul just told me and you? I'm convinced. Because I do know something about all that stuff I just listed. Even though we don't, Paul did. I am convinced, I am persuaded, death nor life. Doesn't matter. Angels nor principalities nor powers. Doesn't matter. Nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth. And I believe he says a mouthful in that next statement. He wanted us to know that it was absolutely nothing, so he lists all those things, and then he says, nor any other created thing. Are you created? You can't even separate yourself from the love of God. You may not love Him, but it'll never change the fact that He loves you. Well, some corner men in the roping world, they'll get frustrated with our performance. And they'll come to us. You've wore me out, buddy. You're going to have to find you a new corner man. Aren't you glad the corner man of all corner men, Jesus Christ, it never matters how we perform. He says, there's nothing. Nothing. Not even you who I created. He created us and we veered. We left Him. I don't know about you, but that kind of... Check this old boy's love. But He just said, my love for you, it's inseparable. There was a lady dying of Lou Gehrig's in her bedroom had, I believe it was Lamentations uh, 3.23 that says, For I loved you with an eternal love. And she was able to finish strong in her last days because she knew the love of God held her in His hands. An enduring empowering but listen to this eternal love never to be separated from the corner man of all corner men I don't know what you come looking for today but if you need a good corner man look no farther than the one that said if God be for you who can be against you Story told of an old drunk leaning on a light pole on Main Street, feeling around on the ground. Bystander walks by, says, What are you doing? He says, I'm looking for my wallet, sir. He said, Well, I'll help you. They looked around for that wallet about 30, 45 minutes. Old bystander finally looked up at him and said, Now, you sure this is where you lost it? Oh, no, I didn't lose it here. I lost it about two blocks back down the road. The bystander said, Well, why are you looking for it here? 
He said, because there ain't no light down there. Look up here. You tired of looking in the wrong places for the corner man? Look no farther. The corner man of all corner men. He's in the house today. And he's going to extend an invitation. He's going to call somebody's name today. And if you're here today and you're not sure, you don't know that you know that you know that you're saved, think about the investment. He paid for your soul. He's calling your name. He's inviting you to come for salvation. He wants to help you escape hell. Make heaven. He's calling you to be born again. Look no farther for the corner man of all corner men. Let's all stand. We all stand with our heads bowed, our eyes closed. If you're here and you know the corner man, man, he's given us a great victory today and moving us into a new building. If you're here today and you know the corner man and you're going through some of those trials and those tribulations, aren't you glad you've got the corner man of all corner men? Altars are open. And I'm going to tell you what, when he's going through tough stuff in the rodeo world, let me tell you who you called. Let me tell you who you got in your vehicle and you went and seen. Let me tell you who you got to help you work through the slumps. Get through the bumps. Are you with me? You went to your corner man. So here today, you got the maybe a slump, maybe some bumps in your life. Look here. There ain't a better place to go today than to your corner man. Man, come just have a little talk with him. Sometimes my corner man, uh, I had many of them, but Marty Bach, he could point out some little thing that would fix it. You may come and get on your knees today and this slump and these bumps, the corner man of all corner men, you know what he might just do? He might just show you in your heart one little thing. Yes. that you need to fix in your life. You may come. There was times I wasn't doing nothing wrong, Brother Bob. And I'd go to my corner man. He said, man, you're roping good. You're scoring good. You're doing everything good. But sometimes I just got to remind you, sometimes you just need a break. Sometimes you just need to maybe draw a little on the better end of the calves. And, you know, that was encouraging. Today, look here. You may be through it, going through a slump or a bump and you think, man, I've asked God, am I doing anything wrong? You say, no. It may just be you need to come to the altar and He just says, keep on keeping on. Don't grow weary while doing good. It's going to change. This is Christians. This is people that know the corner man of all corner men. But I'm asking you, is He calling your name today? These people ought to be an encouragement to you. They know the corner man. Do you need to know Jesus today? Father, we love You. We praise You. If there's someone that needs to be saved, I pray they come. Someone that needs prayer, I pray they come. Father, these altars are open. God, help us to use them. Would You come? I have decided to follow Jesus. I have
have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. The world behind me, the cross before me. The world behind me, the cross before me. The world behind me, the cross before me. No turning back, no turning back. An army to be empowered. Man, the cross before you. The world behind you. Man, realizing we got the corner man of all corner men in our corner. Yes. If God be for us, it really don't matter who's against us. And that ought to empower you as a soldier at the cross yes. to know who's in your corner. Yes. They tell me that a soldier once asked Abraham Lincoln, is God on our side? And Abraham Lincoln looked at him and said, that's not what I'm concerned about. I'm concerned if we're on God's side. See, God's not changing. Yeah. And you just got to make sure you're on His side. And all of God's people for a great day in the Lord said, Amen and Amen. You may be seated for just a moment. I'm going to uh, going to ask Brother Harold to come up here and Miss Pigeon to come with him. Meet me at. If you guys don't, what are you doing back there, Harold? Everybody else gone. Pidge, help him up. Get him down to front. You ever helped him up in this building? <laughs> There's a lot of people that's helped here and there on this building. And I thank you guys. I, I, I don't know the everybody's, but I know I know several. But there's nobody that's put in the hours than these two right here. And I'll just tell you, that was against the elders' ideas for the building because this ain't the same guy health-wise that built prior. But when we was trying to talk him out of it, be just about like trying to talk Rob Pierce out of something he knew he needed to do. There's some things that you know you just need to do. You know it's going to, you know it's going to be tough. You know it's going to be tiring. You know you're going to get weary. But in your heart of hearts, you just know, I got to do it. I'm anxious to see what he does for our next building project. And so, nobody's put more time and energy and effort than they have. Don't misunderstand me. You give. You sacrificed. Every time we needed financial, we, we'd ask for it. You'd give it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But I hope you understand what I'm talking about right here. Now, I'm not going to open this, but we, the other elders, wondered what we could do for Harold. And one of the elders knew that he desired a gun. 
a specific gun. And I hope that's it, Harold. When he handed me that gun, If it starts going bang, bang, take cover. The other guy assured me, David, will you, you know anything about this? It does slide. It does slide. When I had pointed that up there, the guy that handed me to me said, it's not loaded. And I said, that ain't what I heard. I heard when I was a kid, they're all loaded. That's why I handed up there. I mean, there's a few of you I'd pointed at, but not just everybody. Just joking. And that gun wasn't near enough, so we, uh, we put a little financial uh, blessing on them. And here's what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to give this to you. I'm going to give it to Pitch. And I'm going to tell you that probably... Don't even start to cover. It, it might, maybe, a penny an hour. And when I shared it with Harold, we wanted to do something for him months ago. Here's what he said. I didn't do it for that. And here's what I said. I know that. But sometimes what we do we don't do it for certain things but the certain things come because we done it and so I think the best thing we can give them better than a gun better than a financial gift is a thank you amen and the reason we didn't give him more is I didn't want to rob him from his real reward in heaven How's that, Harold? That's good. Well, let's just thank them, and we're going to let them lead the way back to the kitchen. We'll let them eat first. How's that? We'll let them on the front of the line. Can you get back there? Man, aren't you thankful when sometimes our jobs and the things we got to do won't allow us to do things? Aren't you glad there's those people who can come and do those things? Amen. So uh, we just want to thank them, give them a little something, and let them know that we appreciated them. And, and I hate doing it because I know there's others that worked. Right here's one that said, man, he missed the building, and him and Harold butted heads from time to time. And, 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 and that's how it goes. I remember Thelbert Barnes telling me and Billy Parham when we was building my house, we was working 16, 17 hours a day. And I remember... I remember Thelbert saying, you boys are going to be out there fist to cuff, boy. He said, you can't work that long. He may know something about that. And sure enough, there come a time after long, long hours, I told old Billy, get his stuff and get out and don't come back till I tell you. I mean, old Billy's pretty tight. But me and old Billy had had just about enough of each other by the time that house was built. And I think Trey was there one day, just a little... Little man, when me and Billy got into it, and Trey probably wondered, I've never seen them two, man. They're getting into it. So everybody at work down here, that's what's neat about family and friends. 
when you're going through something that's strenuous on your emotions, on you physically, you're going to have some differences. You're going to have some headbutting. And here's what I want to say in closing, and I'm going to bless the food. There's no problem too big to solve. People are just too little to solve them. I'm going to say it one more time. There's not a problem that's too big to solve. Sometimes when we butt heads, that's not too big to fix. Sometimes we're just too little to fix them. Let that be our mentality at Exciting Southeast Baptist. There will never be a problem at this church too big to fix if we'll just be big enough as people to fix them. Wrong or rights, right or wrongs. Amen. So I know there's some people butted heads and this and that and maybe another head button or two along the way. But I just desire for our church to be big enough to fix the problems. Amen. Father, we love you. We praise you. We bless you to bless the food and the fellowship that will happen here. And then as we come back in for a service this afternoon, just to just simply testimonies of you just continuing to do it and do it again. Father, bless the food, the hands that prepared it, the fellowship and all. In Jesus' name, amen. Rusty's holding up the visitor's coffee. Uh, okay. We didn't make no announcements or nothing. Uh, but you've been asked to go right back there through that door. And uh, if you're a visitor, Rusty, raise your hand back there. If you're a visitor, go see Rusty. He would love to see you back there if you're a visitor.